What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Levin Black. If you are new to this show, you get the hot takes mostly from me and the cold truth mostly from Debbie Downer over there, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Oh, it's going to be like that. Maybe I'll cancel what I got going to your house. You got something going to my house? Yeah, there's a reason why I asked for your address. This I just assumed it was a holiday card. I don't do holiday cards. My wife sometimes does. This year, I don't think we got around to it, but uh, my wife definitely probably wouldn't think of you, <laughs> <laughs> considering she never met you. Yes. Well, that's a key factor when it comes to consideration for such things. All right. I'm a little worried about that. Not going to lie. Uh, we have a huge <laughs> show today, Levin. A huge show because the GOAT is going to be on the show. Jerry freaking Rice is joining us on this joining me on this episode of the podcast. Mm. Thanks for the invite. No problem. Let me tell you, I did think about it. I was setting up the interview and I was like, man, we're doing this on Wednesday. Should I talk to Levin? I don't know. And then I was like, you know what? There are some times when it's good to be the boss. And this was one of the times when I'm not going to lie, I was selfish. I admit it. Jerry Rice is my hero. I had his poster above my bed growing up. I looked at it every day of my life, and I got selfish on this one. You can make it up to me one way. Okay. Get Joe Montana or Steve Young, (laughs) and you sit that one out. (laughs) Mm. I actually would rather, if I had to choose, I would rather talk to Steve Young, but I am working on Steve Young is my childhood. Like I still have a jersey I got of his from like sixth grade. Um, that I can still fit in. It's snug, but I can still fit in. <laughs> Sixth grade. Uh, Montana, just because one, it's Montana, too, because I live like 15 minutes from the high school he went to. Right. Okay. So it'd be well, kind of interesting to throw that at him. All right. I'm working on it. I promise if I can make it work, it's all yours. Um, if you get Steve Young and I'm not invited to that one, there will be problems. Oh, boy. That okay. one would actually piss me off. This one, I I get it. Would love to be part of it, but I also understand why I wasn't. It is very hard to do a three-person interview. It is not normally as good of an interview as it is one-on-one. There's a reason why Dateline and all those are always one-on-one interviews. Are you comparing us to Dateline? No, but look, I was a journalist. I know one-on-one is much better than a freaking press conference. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But if you get Steve Young, like I would legit be pissed. If I wasn't part of that one. All right. Well, unless you know, they said, hey, no, we're only going to, or something like that. If it's that, their decision, I can't. That would be it. so satisfying if they said that only <laughs> I could do the interview and then I got to tell you that I couldn't do it. No, uh, we're working on all sorts of stuff here. So stay tuned. You never know uh, who's going to hop on next. We always want to remind you please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you take a time to leave the review, we take the time to read it which brings me to two reviews for today, 11. First one is from 23KD, subject hater to listener, five stars. Thank you very much. I first started listening to the podcast because Rob, one of the hosts, posted something on social media that I thought was stupid. I had to see if that was the norm for his podcast. To my surprise, I found his podcast hit all the right notes, negative when the team deserved it, and positive when they played well. Levin and Rob work really well together and provide a level of honesty you sometimes don't see in team podcasts. I haven't missed a podcast since. Lastly, I want to say that Levin doesn't look nearly as dorky in real life as he sounds on the podcast, and the reverse is true for Rob. Keep up the good work. I had not thought from that angle in terms of our what we sound like. <laughs> yeah, like y- you definitely are the emotional one. But I would say you're probably a little more nerdish than me. Not to say you're a nerd. And that's I fine. Don't, I don't really think that's an insult. I'm into plenty of nerdy things. I have no problem admitting I'm a fanboy of a lot of things. And I'm definitely m- more of a like a jock type person because I grew up playing every sport there was and would play sports all day long whenever I could. So, I, yeah, I hadn't really thought of that, that. Being calm and collected kind of probably makes you seem like you're way analytical and nerdy and emotional is kind of the opposite. Next review comes from Heavy Stoner, which makes sense when you read the subject, which is Levin is cool, five stars. 
Favorite freaking podcast. Rob, you're doing a great job at the podcast, doing a badass job. Keep it up, man. Levin, you're my dude. I always agree with you, even on the negative stuff, saying it like it is. Michelle Maju, keep doing what you always do. Great job. Keep it up. Hashtag go Niners. Thank you, Heavy Stoner. And also thank you to 23KD. We do appreciate the love. Yeah, it's always nice to hear. Like, there was a time when we didn't get any. It's <laughs> so keep a lot nicer coming. to have them. We'll keep them coming. Uh, I promise you, like we said, we will read it on the show, and it really helps people discover us that might not be aware of us. So we thank you for that. All right, few things to get to on the show before we get to the Jerry Rice interview. Um, Falcons coming up this week. It's still a big game for the 49ers. Lots to be gained by winning this game. And, you know, I tweeted Lots to out. Be lost by yes. losing. I think this is one of those, you lose a lot more than you gain. So I tweeted out earlier this week that if the 49ers beat the, what is it, six and seven Falcons at home and the dumpster fire Texans at home, they're going to make the playoffs. And I could not believe all the responses from people saying, hold on, hold on, Rob. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't look past the Falcons. Remember what happened in 2019? Don't don't sleep on the Falcons. And I just want to know, where was this energy before the Seahawks game? When everybody thought we were just going to go and roll over them and end the Pete Carroll and the Russell Wilson era, everybody was super confident going into the Seahawks game. Now we're playing a worse team, I think, in Atlanta. And people are like, oh, hold on, hang on. They might win. <laughs> uh, fans are fickle. They... <laughs> change with the ebb and flow of the team they've been burned they don't want to get burned again like i got no problem admitting i have fallen into that type of crap this year it drives me nuts uh like i literally dwell on that because i freaking hate kind of almost flip-flopping i wouldn't say i've quite flip-flopped but like there are times this season where i'm like this team's toast this team is awful and then there are times where i'm like no oh, we're right in it like this week, like last week, I said I'm done with this team. I'm so I sick of it. I remember that. This week, I'm sitting here going, if they can get in the playoffs, like <laughs> things fall the right way, like, yeah, they could still get to the Super Bowl. Like, I, I think it's going to be hard because the playoffs is when a quarterback can get exposed. But then I always fall back to, like, Joe Flacco can have a playoffs like that. Like, it's possible. Like, I, I hate it. I hate flip-flopping. But that's been this up and down season. There have been times when, multiple times when I thought, okay, put a fork in them. Like, they're not coming back from this. Mm -hmm. And then they respond and they win. It, it It's frustrating as a fan. And it's frustrating as somebody that sits here and talks every week. Because I feel like, like, I, I hate people who aren't consistent. And I wouldn't say hypocrite. But, you know, that's the type of thing I can't stand from sports people. And I feel like I've been doing that to a degree this year, and it drives me freaking nuts because I can't control it. And it's just trying to be honest from week to week how I feel, and week to week I feel completely different about this team, which I think <laughs> summarizes the season perfectly. Giant hypocrite, Levin Black is with us. No, I, I mean, look, we change our opinions based on new information, right? And every week we get new information. And the, the encouraging thing for me I didn't think the 49ers played that great on Sunday against they Cincinnati. Didn't. They didn't play as good as they can play, clearly, and they still found a way to win. Now, is part of that because Cincinnati forgot how to return a punt? Yes, but you take advantage of those things, right? The, if you're really bad, you don't score any points on those turnovers. The 49ers got 10 points off of the two turnovers, and that obviously was a huge factor in the in the game. So... It was encouraging to see them get a win against a good team. Cincinnati is a good team, even though San Francisco didn't play their best. So that was encouraging to me because I think we could see maybe a similar game this week against Atlanta where, you know, things don't go perfectly for the 49ers. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball particularly well. I think they'll be okay. But I think it could kind of be a similar thing where they score a touchdown early and maybe the offense kind of goes into a lull and then they have to pull it out late. The Niners should definitely win this game, but I do feel like Atlanta's kind of like the not good version of the 49ers, Jekyll and Hyde. Like Atlanta's <laughs> not actually that good of a team. The Niners actually are, you know, that, you know what I mean? Like if everybody played to their talent level, the Niners would be right up there with any team. Uh, Atlanta would definitely not be, but Atlanta's Agreed. had this Jekyll and Hyde. Like they have gotten curb stomped by some teams 
And then they've come out and they've beaten, you know, Carolina Panthers twice. Um, they have a couple other wins. They're literally one game behind the 49ers in the standings. Like, I, I feel like the consensus, if you ask people how good Atlanta are, people are like, oh, they're one of the worst teams in the league. Well, they're six and seven. Like, they are capable of playing well. And it's normally the weeks where their defense does well, they get the win. But then there's a week where they're the next week the defense will give up 40-plus points like they did. I think they gave up 48 to the Cowboys or one of the teams they gave up, I think, 48. Um, but, yeah, th- this team is similar to the 49ers in that you you never know what you're getting each week. The problem with Atlanta, here is Atlanta's wins. Here are Atlanta's wins. Giants, Jets, Dolphins, Saints, Jags, Panthers. Those are their wins, and they have bad losses. They lost to the Eagles in week one, 32 to six. They gave up 48 to the Bucs in week two. They lost 48-25. They lost to Washington, 34-30. They lost to the Cowboys, 43 to three. And the next week, they lost to the Patriots, 25 to nothing. Like, so they have close wins over bad teams, and they have blowout losses to good teams. So I think that's part of the reason why people look at Atlanta and they say they stink even though their record is six and seven. Yeah. I mean, but at the end of the day, you are what your record is Um, there. And that's what I was getting at earlier when I said, I think the Niners have a lot more to lose in this game than they potentially gain. The Niners lose this game. They fall behind Atlanta in the NFC playoffs because they lose the head to head and they would have the same record at seven and seven. Like, they can't afford to lose this game for playoff implications because Atlanta has a really easy game left with Detroit the following week. So they should be able to get, if they beat the Niners, at least one more win, which would mean the Niners would need to uh, go, what, 3-0 in their final games in order to pass them in the standings. Like, that's probably not happening. Like, it's possible, but the Niners probably aren't going to get three straight wins to finish the season. And that's what it would take to overtake the Falcons in the standings if they lose this game. This is a very big game considering the Niners already have an uphill battle to getting to moving up from the sixth seed. Like what I'm getting at is if they lose this game, they're out of reach of the other teams up there. Like the other teams could probably lose out and the Niners wouldn't catch them um, or they would need just one win. And that means if they don't win all three of their games, they're not passing Atlanta. The best they could do is the seven seed. Like that, that's a tall task. They cannot afford to lose this game. And one of the interesting parts of this game, I think is that people are going to draw a lot of, a lot of uh, parallels between how the 49ers use Debo Samuel and how the Falcons use Cordero Patterson. To me, Cordero Patterson is mostly a running back. He does have 519 receiving yards, but he's, mostly a running back earlier in the his year receiving yards are dump off screens right running back style catches earlier in the year the 49ers were using Debo as a wide receiver now they've sort of stopped lately and I said on the instant reacts pod 11 and uh, I don't know if you agree with this or not but I think that they can't just use Debo as a running back which is kind of what they've been doing lately He had one target last week. Now, I know he's coming off the groin. He had four targets the week before against Minnesota. He had two targets when he played against Jacksonville. So they are not using him like a wide receiver. I think they have to continue to do both. Otherwise, Debo is going to be less and less effective as a running back. Yeah, but I think a lot of his decline in targets has to do with the emergence of Ayuk and Kittle. Getting Kittle back takes away targets from the receivers. And Ayuk is running a lot of the wide receiver routes that are designed to get that wide receiver the ball now. So it is what it is. There's only when you're a team that runs the ball as much as any team in the league, you're not probably going to have three people getting a lot of catches. So there's only so much to go around. I think it's going to be one of those things that Kyle will adjust based on matchup. And he likes in the recent weeks the matchup that Kittle has versus linebackers and the matchup of getting deeper routes with Ayuk. That's fair. I mean, there are so many, only so many balls to go around. I do love how they're using Ayuk. I, I'm so happy. I feel like he is definitely emerging. Um, but honestly, like, I, I feel like they can do more. There's room for all of them. I think that there is room. I think I would rather see if Elijah Mitchell is not playing, 
I would don't give Jeff Wilson the ball as much. Like he has not been anything special to write home about. I would much rather see Debo catch like a three yard pass and use that as the potential running game than I would to see Jeff Wilson get the ball, to be honest with you. Uh, that sounds good on paper, but we have seen what happens to this team when they decide that they're going <laughs> to move the ball through the passing game and that they don't commit to the run. For whatever reason, Jimmy falls apart if it's all put on him uh, from the start. Like if they don't come out running the ball and make that defense choke up and play the run honestly, they don't do well. I don't think you can come out passing. Like the formula has worked in recent weeks. The Seattle game uh, was just a different story. Seattle has the 49ers number, and I think that was more a game of the game plan was fine, and the players just f***ed it up, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, so I, I just I, I think you still need to commit to the run because we have seen time and time again the games where they come out and they try to do screens, they try to get the, the ball through the passing game moving, and it just – does not work something about this team changes when they come out and they say we're going to hit you in the mouth over and over again and then we'll pass I, I think it's a mentality thing that both Jimmy and that offensive line struggle with Jimmy Garoppolo had 41 pass attempts last week that is way when I saw that I was like he did like I was stunned that he had that many because well he had what six or seven in overtime so yeah, I mean, well, Kyle wants to run it 40 times a game. He doesn't want Jimmy throwing it 40 times a game, but they only ran it for 4.3 yards a carry against Cincinnati. Uh, so, hey, like you said, they needed to throw at the end of regulation. They needed to throw at the end of overtime, so that probably inflated it um, a little bit. The other thing that worries me about this game, Levin, a lot of guys for the 49ers are banged up. They had a walkthrough practice, so so Kyle said he gave the players their first victory Monday off. And they had a walkthrough practice yesterday on Wednesday. And, I mean, Aziz, Warner, Kittle, Mitchell, Mo Hurst, DJ Jones, Dre Greenlaw, all those people did not participate in the walkthrough. Tart was limited. Ambry Thomas is still in the concussion protocol. This is a banged up squad right now. And I think they're also very concerned about having to play the Titans on Thursday night football on December 23rd. So they're kind of banged up and they're going to have to play two games. in what is it like eight days or whatever? You know, I can't do the math in my head right now because I'm too lazy, but they're going to have to play two games in a short amount of time. Yeah. And I think that's why so many people didn't practice. We're getting to that point of the season where teams are, or wearing out, there's a lot of players that are banged up that could use a day off to be rested, to be better uh, come the game, whenever day that may be, now that we have football in four days of the week. God, that sounds so good. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, we do? Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like with the Niners having such an early bye week, that's even more prevalent for them. So I'm not too concerned Talk to me on Friday or Saturday if all these players have still not gotten anything in. But I think a lot of this was precautionary. Um, I know Fred Warner said that his injury is nothing to be concerned about. Um, but at this point, I'm not really concerned. Like, I, I'm in the Fred Warner. I'm, I'm not really concerned. But we also don't ever know the truth with this team when it comes to injuries. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I understand um, that it could end up being a much bigger deal. But I think it is because they have two games in a short period. They are purposely not having these hard practices where they're going to wear them down. I'm not concerned about Warner. I am concerned about Aziz. Aziz was everywhere last week, man. He was flying around that field. He is so impressive to me. And I think that he and Warner are so fast and able to cover so much ground they're really what's helping the Niners kind of hide the cornerbacks a little bit um, which they were able to do for most of the game I think Cincinnati finally figured out at the end like okay they're going to play mostly cover two so we there's going to be opportunities in the middle of the field but for the most part they were able to hide the cornerbacks which is something they're obviously going to have to do but if Aziz is banged up I don't have the same amount of faith in let's say Flanagan Foles or Marcel Harris uh for good reason uh, <laughs> <laughs> which you know it, it is what it is they're not as good of players nowhere close but I feel like 
it's probably a little early to say this concretely, but I do have this feeling that in a year we're going to be looking back at at that Fred Warner injury when Aziz was able to kind of take over the the role of the of the defense, leading the defense, that we've entered that period of the Patrick Willis Navarro Bowman argument of who's actually the best linebacker in the league. Like both of them are playing at such a high level that I feel like the Niners have once again managed to get two of the very best linebackers in the league. It's going to take time to truly know if Aziz is there. There have been obviously players in the league that flash something happens and they never come back. Um, So can't say it for sure yet, but it certainly seems like he's made that jump where he is just a dominant linebacker. Man, they have had a string of linebackers. Willis, Bowman, Borland, Warner. Now Aziz is starting to flash. Even Dre Greenlaw, for a fifth-round draft pick, Dre Greenlaw has looked solid at times. Kind of fair Uh, to say Reuben Foster if you're going to throw in Borland's one season. Well, Borland's one season was better than Reuben Foster, but Reuben Foster did look like, at least on the football field, that he had incredible talent. Like, I don't know. They can't draft a wide receiver to save their life, but damn, they can find linebackers. I, I was going to say, and I would trade every last one of them if they could draft <laughs> quarterbacks like that. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Um, so that's where we are with the Falcons. They got to win. They got. I'm. I'm trying not to be scarred by the 2019 game and by the pick at the stick. Which I mean, that 49ers team was way better than the Falcons team in the last game at Candlestick, but. They needed an amazing play from Navarro Bowman at the end to pull it out. Like, just handle your business. And this is one of the things I said to Jerry Rice when we talked about this game. Step on the throat early because the longer this game is close, the longer the Falcons start to think that they can win it. Let's just say the matchup favors the Niners. And I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about the things that the Falcons are bad at are the things that would really help the Niners. The Falcons have allowed 26 passing touchdowns to just eight interceptions. This should not be a game where Jimmy goes out there and throws multiple interceptions, which I think is one of the recipes for the Niners losing. Mm-hmm. You know, if Jimmy has multiple turnovers, the Niners are probably going to lose. And the, the Falcons just don't get quarterbacks to turn the ball over. Uh, and at the same time, they give up points. Like there's been quite a few games. I think there's like six games they've given up 30 plus points. So the Niners, they should be able to do it. And the Falcons. Like, if you get to Matt Ryan, who's almost in Ben Roethlisberger's statue level at this point, like, I feel like those two have just, if you get pressure on them, they're screwed because they can't move. <laughs> you know, it's like Philip Rivers, you know, in the last couple of years. They're, they are so slow and such a statute at their age that pressure is everything. You pressure him, you're going to beat that team. If you don't pressure him, yeah, they still have the brain back there to be able to pick you apart. Yeah, this is going to be another Nick Bosa special. Like, Bosa needs, what is it, six sacks, I think, in these last games to break Alden Smith's 49ers record for single-season sacks because that was 19 and a half. Like, this could be a game where Bosa could get three in like because, like you're saying, Matt Ryan's not going anywhere. He's not getting away from Nick Bosa. So uh, that's another thing I'm going to keep an eye on. Like, he could wreck their game plan. That's what they need because nobody else on that defensive line is wrecking game plans. Like, (laughs) yeah, like some of them are playing decent, but they're not, they're not game wreckers. There's only one game wrecker on that defensive line and it's Bosa. And if he's not, if he's not having that type of game and there have been some games this year where he's not, he's not consistently able to get pressure because he's getting double teamed constantly. He's not able to beat it um, in those games at least. And in those games, that's when the Niners were giving up a bunch of points because it's basically if Bosa gets pressure, this defense plays pretty darn well. If Bosa doesn't get pressure, those DBs can't hold up. Yeah, that's God. That is, but but I look at Atlanta's receiving core and I'm like, that's crap. Mm, you know what? Like maybe this is a week if if he's back on the field. Ambry Thomas starts to look a little better, and Diamondor Lenore can look at like this. Might be a confidence builder for some of those DBs. Yeah, the Falcons might have the worst receiving core in the league because Calvin Ridley is out um, and everybody else there is not a difference maker. Like Russell Gage, is a, he's an okay receiver. Like if he's your number two, eh, it's okay. If he's your number three, awesome. Uh, and he's their number one. And 49er fans know what that is like. Before Debo right. Samuel and Brandon Ayuk arrived, 
We know exactly what was it? Jamison Crowder, I think, one year was like our number one wide receiver, and he wasn't even on the team three weeks before the season started. There was uh what Jeremy Curley, Kendrick yep. Bourne led us one year in the Shanahan era. So uh, with 500 yards. Jeez. Like that was literally the team lead was 500 yards from wide receiver. But no, this Atlanta offense doesn't do a thing if Cordell Patterson doesn't get going. And the Niners have incredible speed at the linebackers. So yep. of all the teams in the league to be able to limit him, the Niners should be right up there with any of them with the capability of limiting somebody coming out of the backfield. And when he doesn't get going, they don't really have anything else. Be disciplined. And by the way, whether it's defense, special teams, just heads up. Heads up for the trick play. That's all I'm saying. And I feel like Richard Hightower now is looking for the for the trick punt, uh, fake punt every time because he does. He was so scarred by what happened with the Seahawks, which I'm totally fine with, by the way. But uh, I, I expect Atlanta to run a crazy trick play. Kyle Shanahan tried a trick play with Ayuk uh, running like a reverse pass, which to me kind of made me feel like Kyle's a little desperate for the offense to move the ball. And luckily, Ayuk uh, didn't force it downfield and just ended up running, I think, for like a five yard gain. Um, but the trick, I think Atlanta's going to pull some stuff out just because what the hell, why the hell not? Yeah, I haven't really seen too much in Atlanta this year to know if they've done tricks, but I haven't seen highlights of them doing any trick plays. So they might have all those still in their bag because every team has trick plays and it's just when they're desperate enough to use them. I'd like to see the, the 49ers. I feel like when are we going to see a fake punt from the 49ers? Mitch Wishnowski never is an Aussie football I, player. I gave up on that his rookie year when they literally didn't do anything. I was like, okay, he literally has an athletic punter who ran a four six forty, yeah, and can hit people and run over people, and he won't do anything because Kyle says, no, I want the damn ball. I'm not risking crap. Like, I'm not risking field position. I'm not risking any of that. I will wait, get the ball next time, and score a touchdown because Kyle has that thing where every single time the offense gets the ball, he thinks this is a touchdown. <laughs> he should know by now that is definitely not the case. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to our interview with Jerry Rice. I had so much fun talking with him. I talked about, did he ever work with Brandon Ayuk to try to show him how to practice? We talked about Trey Lance because Trey Lance is partnering with Jerry on this energy drink that he has coming out. We talked about the Falcons game. We gave you a full preview there. So stay with us after the break, our interview with Jerry Rice. Welcome back to the Niners Nation podcast. Not going to lie. This is a huge day for me. I've gotten to do a lot of cool things since I've gotten this job, but this is by far the coolest because I am honored to bring on my favorite football player of all time, a man whose poster hung above my bed as a kid for years the greatest wide receiver in the history of football, Jerry Rice. Jerry, hello, and how are you? How you doing? Happy holidays to you. Thank you. You too. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm trying to be professional. I'm geeking out a little bit. Hey, look, I'm looking at your background, man. It looks real cool. Hey, hey check you. out this right here. Oh, see, there's the bus. That's unbelievable, the bus, baby. That's the bus. <laughs> see, when you're the goat, you can do things like that. And you know what? You guys made this happen for me. You know, you guys inspired me to try to be the greatest player that I could possibly be. Well, I, you're welcome, I guess. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I keep hearing, Jerry, all these discussions about people trying to talk about Randy Moss as the greatest wide receiver of all time. And I look at it and say, yeah, as long as you don't look at catches, yards, touchdowns, Pro Bowls, All Pros, Super Bowls, or Super Bowl MVPs, sure, Randy Moss could be the greatest player of all time. But if you look at anything that matters, you kick his ass. You know what, man? Randy Moss was probably the most gifted uh, receiver to ever play the game. He had the height. He had the speed. He had the jumping ability, all of those things. You know, for me, I just, I was just going to outwork you. I was not as gifted, you know, I, I remember coming in, uh, Dwight Clark helping me run my routes, you know, just the philosophy of the game, watching Montana, watching Ronnie Lott, all of those guys. And I knew the importance of teamwork. So I wanted to be that leader and I led by example and my teammates, uh, they responded by helping me really achieve so many records 
So, yeah, you know, like I said, I, you know, I might not be the most uh, gifted or anything like that, but I had that work ethic coming from from Mississippi Valley State University, you know, what my parents, you know, what what they what they gave me. And uh, and it was just no quitting me. Well, you are the GOAT, as everybody knows. And now you're joining us on behalf of GOAT Fuel. You have created an energy drink along with uh, your daughter. And now you have brought on Trey Lance as one of your brand ambassadors. Tell us about Goat Fuel. Well, you know, Goat Fuel, uh, you know, my daughter came to me and they were into energy drinks and, but they were getting the jitters and they, it was all of the sugar that was in it. So they asked me about my regimen. <laughs> they were shocked about my regimen because I, you know, I'm still one of those guys that's, that continue to work out really hard. And I watched everything that goes into my body. And I think that's the reason why I was so productive for over 20 years. So we decided to, uh, you know, try to put a healthier energy drink out there. And we're having a great time. It's a black owned company. Uh, we have ambassadors like uh, Tyler Hero, also Trey Lance. And, you know, to have Trey Lance on the team is something that's really special. And we're just going to continue to uh, to scale and, uh, and, and and try to get people to to realize that it's just not about athletes being the greatest of all time. It could be an entrepreneur. It could be a frontline worker. It could be what you do. You know, anyone that have that that question mark, dare to be great. It's about that GOAT family. And this is what we're building. And, and this is something that I have uh, really poured my heart into. I believe in it because I don't, I, I don't put my name on anything. But I have watched this grow from uh, ground up, and I'm excited about the opportunity. It comes in eight different flavors. You can get it at GOATFuel.com. You can go to the mobile app. And uh, if you go to GOATFuel.com, you can find the store nearest you as well. Tell us about Trey Lance a little bit, Jerry, because, you know, we haven't gotten to see a ton of him, especially not lately. You've gotten to know him a little bit. What stands out to you about him? Well, Trey Lance, I, you know, first of all, first of all, he won my uh, uh, the FCS uh, Jerry Rice Award, you know, the football championship uh, subdivision. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had been in communications with him before the draft. And just to get him, get to know him as a person. Also, uh, his family is so supportive. Uh, I would say his dedication, his endurance, his uh, tenacity. Uh, he's one of those guys that that want to be great, but he wants to be the greatest. And I and I think he's going to make everybody better around him. He just got to get that experience and that knowledge. And, uh, and and I think he's going to blossom, man. So I'm, I'm excited about watching him excel and also about, uh, you know, fueling him the entire way. We've wanted to see him. I've wanted to see him. But I have to say the 49ers have put themselves in a good position right now. They're seven and six. They're coming off that win against Cincinnati. Brandon Ayuk gets the game winning touchdown in overtime. Crazy. Yeah. Can I say something about that? Sure. Yeah, because with uh, Brandon Ayuk, on, on that play right there, it reminded me something of Super Bowl twenty three, okay. when I when I stuck the ball out around the pylon, and he did the same thing, and and, and I'm sitting there watching that. I said, "Huh, that looks for me." <laughs> well, okay, let's talk about Ayuk because. You know, early in the year, we're hearing that he's, you know, maybe not practicing the right way. And I'm sitting there thinking the 49ers have access to the greatest practice player of all time. Did they ever contact you and say, hey, can you show Brandon Ayuk how to practice the right way? Well, you know, I didn't know. I, I didn't hear that because I, they said it was something that they felt like it was a, a, a little setback where maybe uh, it has something to do uh, with the scheme. Or whatever. Then they also, I, I saw someone did, they did something on on Brandon Brandon Ayuk where uh, they said, well, Jimmy G was not really looking to target him. Mm -hmm. That he was getting open and he had opportunities, but Jimmy was going somewhere else with the ball. So I, you know, I don't know exactly, uh, you you know, what caused everything, uh, the problem behind that. But I think the thing is, man. 
It has to do with practice. I, I made sure doing practice that running certain plays, I made them work. Now, all of a sudden, you know, during the game situation, the team make that call. They know that that play can work because, you know, I have done it over and over doing practice. Mm-hmm. So, so, so maybe that's it, you know, the ref doing practice, you, you have to prove to prove to the coaches that, uh, that if they call your number, that you're going to make it happen. We need to get you working with Ayuk and Debo. Can, can you make that happen, please? Man, I've watched those guys, man. Debo, what he's capable of doing. I mean, he has that body frame of uh, of running back too. And he could, you know, he can run the ball. He can, he can run routes. He can catch the ball. Uh, the physicality of him, you know, once he catches the ball. My, my thing back in the day as a receiver, I used to try to avoid, you know, defensive backs and, and, huh. and, and get, they, you know, my God, uh, Debo Samuel and, and George Kittle, they look for contact. I just, I'm, like, I'm like, what? That's different from, you know, from back in the day. When I look at Debo, I almost see he kind of reminds me of Terrell Owens. Does that make sense to you? God, man, Terrell was Terrell was a beast, though. You would not believe the size of this guy mm-hmm. and his body structure and all of that. He, I don't. I, I I've been trying to you know I've been trying to get a handle too on Debo, and I said okay, because normally you don't see. Wide receivers like Debo Samuel. Yeah. You, you know, they're much smaller. You know, he's he's more compact. He's he's thicker and stuff yeah. like that. But he's still got the quick, quickness where he can run away from you. So so he's almost like that dual threat. And yeah. and and I hope the Niners continue using him, you know, running the ball and also uh you know, spreading them out and, and giving them opportunities. When I watch this team, of course, I'm edge of my seat, living and dying on every possession. I know you still follow the team closely, obviously. Is it still like that for you? Or are you able yeah. to kind of just step back and, and look at it in a different way? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm biting my nails. I'm doing <laughs> everything, man. It's, it's like this year just been crazy. It's been such an up and down year. And, you know, uh, when I played the game, we were all about uh, consistency, being able to win football games at home. you got to protect home field. That's that's first of all. And then be able to go on the road and still somehow find a way to win some games on the road. I think our problem is that uh, with the Niners, uh, they haven't protected home. They need to start doing that. They need yes. to take care of that. And, and it's going to be a big game against the Atlanta Falcons coming up this weekend. And don't take them lightly. You know, they need uh, Niners need to stay focused and they have to feel like we haven't done anything and go out and, and take care of this uh, this team. That Atlanta came into Levi's and beat the 49ers. I know. In don't 2019. Me that. that hurt me. That hurt me so bad. Man. I, know. Oh. I know. So. So they need they need this week. Hey, say hey, look, we we need to focus on this team. Every every game is an important game now. We we can't afford to to have another loss. We got to keep building. And if they if they can do that, because what four games to go? Yep. Hey, why not take all four? Let's wow. go get all four, man. That's the attitude they got to have. I want to see them on Sunday when you're playing a team like Atlanta. They're kind of down on their having a down year. Come out and step on them early. Go for the throat. Yes. Go for the throat, man. I'm serious. When we had teams down, we were going to choke them out. It was no way they were going to get back in the ball game. And, 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 I, and I think during a ball game, when the Niners are, are winning, they take their feet off the gas just a little bit. Yes. I totally agree. They get conservative when they should be aggressive. Stay aggressive and just completely, you know, just take that team out. I hope they I hope they do it because I feel like the longer that game stays close, the longer Atlanta starts to believe that they can win it. Well, look, I have no hair. 
Um, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? I, I can't, I can't pull my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I hope they do too. I mean, you could make the argument if they just win the home games the rest of the way, Atlanta and Houston, yes. they're going to get in the playoffs. Exactly. Exactly. But you, you know what? You got to stay focused and you got to work during the week. This did, I, I feel like we were at our best this time of the year because we, we, we were working on all cylinders. I mean, we, we knew exactly what to expect. We knew what we had as a football team. And now it's like the fun part is that you get a chance to go out and you do something special now, you know, and get yourself into the playoffs because once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Absolutely. And I feel like you get in and Kyle Shanahan can draw up one of those game plans. Like we saw against green Bay where they just absolutely yeah. dominate when he gets in his bag like that. I feel like there's nobody better and the 49ers could beat anybody. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that play to Brandon. IU. I have, I had never seen anything like that. I, I did the, really did the, the design of it and stuff like that, where he came underneath. Yes. And, 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 and uh, and where Jimmy was able to hit him uh, uh, with the football, but we 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 didn't we didn't run plays like that back in the day. <laughs> yeah, how much easier would your life have been if you could just cut behind the line of scrimmage and open across the field? Exactly, exactly. That would be so easy, and you know. But we focus in on really running crisp routes. You you had to be able to run a good route where you got separation uh, from the defensive back where the quarterback could deliver the ball. Now they run in a lot of bubble screens, you know, with the run pass option, a lot of stuff underneath. And, and I think that really works in uh, Brandon Ayuk and also Debo Samuel, um, George Kittle. It works in their favor. I mean, that catch that George Kittle made, man, that's, that's ridiculous. At the end of regulation. I, I know it's just, it's just crazy, but you know, it's just like get the ball in the hands of your playmakers we have a great chance. So when it comes to running routes like that, because that's something people talked about with Ayuk, that he wasn't getting enough separation. What advice would you give to him to get more separation? Just be patient. Bill, Bill Walsh always said, win at the line of scrimmage. I, I mean, because a lot, a lot of times you don't see a lot of bump and run now. And, and maybe, maybe the reason, uh, you know, these receivers are not getting as much separation is because they're a little impatient. Work the guy just a little bit longer where you can really, really get the separation that you, you need and where Jimmy G can deliver it to you. Now you, you have gotten that separation. You got the ball. Now you can get those uh, yak yards. Yeah, the yak bros. So, so, so you got to have that patient way before. Sometimes receivers go too uh, quick because, you know, they're wide open. But, you know, the defensive back, those are the most gifted well, probably the most uh, gifted athletes on the football field, and they're breaking on the ball. So that was something I learned early. You got to be patient. Be patient, then you get that separation. Now you can do something with the ball. Well, uh, here's hoping that the 49ers keep it going because they, they're so frustrating, Jerry. Sometimes they look like they could beat anybody, and yeah. sometimes they look like they could lose to anybody. Yeah, hey, but you got to look at the Rams. Look at the Rams and, and the Cardinals. I, I mean, it's just in the L NFC, man, it's going to go down to the wire. This is going to be, this is going to be crazy. And uh, it's just like, you know, like I said, every game is a fight and you got to rally together, but it can be done, but you got to stay focused. Jerry Rice is here with us on behalf of Goat Fuel. You can go to goatfuel.com now to check the nearest location and to get yours. Um, Let's talk about that then, Jerry. In the NFC, right now, the 49ers are the sixth seed. We don't know who they're going to play. If you had to pick a matchup for them, who do you want the 49ers to play in the first round? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, man. <laughs> Very I'm diplomatic. Honest. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it really doesn't matter because if you get in the playoffs, uh, the season just completely starts over. So, so you, you know, my thing is, but you got to get that stamp first. And I think once they get in, now it's like, okay, 
here's the deal. You know, yeah, you know, it's been a tough season. There have been a lot of ups and downs and stuff like that, but we're still here. Now we got a chance to do something that's really special. So, uh, you know, I didn't worry about that at all. And I feel like they've got so many guys on this team now because they brought so many people back. They're a really experienced team when it comes to the playoffs because of their run in 2019. So they're not going to be, even if they have to go on the road, which they probably will, they're not going to be kind of overwhelmed by the moment because they've done it before. Yes, yes, but I think they're a better team on the road. They have been this year for sure. <laughs> It's not even close <laughs> until they figure out, you know, uh, you know, that, okay, we got to take care of that, that home field and stuff like that. But maybe there's not as many distractions on the road. I don't, I don't know, but if they have to go on the road during the playoffs, I, I feel if they're focused and they have worked hard, uh, they should be able to win. A couple more questions for you. Not necessarily about this year's team. First of all, can we switch to the 94 jerseys all the time, please? That you in the 94 with the shadow, those are the best 49ers jerseys ever. Yeah, I know, man. I know. I, I, it was just something about those that really brought out the best in me. So, you know, and and I'm one of those guys that always felt like, you know, you had to look, look a certain way to play your best football. But it's just something that's really special about that, that uh, uniform. And my last question for you, I want to give you the chance because I always – talk about this guy as someone that I think should be in the Hall of Fame, and that's your former coach, George Seifert. You know, I think that people forget how good George was as a head coach, multiple Super Bowls. The 49ers went 14-2 and two in his first two seasons. That's incredible. Can I just allow you to stump for George Seifert a little bit? Because I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. Well, George Seifert, he was a little bit different because he was one of those guys that was very superstitious. He never walked across the, the, you know, the logo of the San Francisco 49ers. He always had to have this uh, sweater, uh, you know, uh, the night before the game. And I think once he somehow he forgot the sweater and somebody had to go back and get it for him. <laughs> but <laughs> he was great, man. You know, as a you know, as a defensive coordinator, uh, the players that he had under him, uh, I mean, man, he did an outstanding job of coaching. And uh, then when he took over uh, as the head coach, he did a fantastic job, too. I, I remember when, when we won the Super Bowl, he was waiting for everybody to lift him up, you know, in the air. You know, everybody, you know, we were just playing this joke on him and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, uh, you know, we picked him up and put him on our shoulders and stuff like that. But I think he was a great coach. I think he knew exactly what he wanted to do as a defensive coordinator. And I think he should be in, in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame also because uh, uh, he, he took over for uh, Bill Walsh and, and those were some big shoes to fill. I heard in that Super Bowl that Mike Shanahan was mad that Steve Young didn't throw two more touchdown passes. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, six was pretty good. I, you know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. But you know, that game was just some. It was just something special, man. We wanted to make a statement, and you know, we were able to do that. We had such an outstanding team. Everybody showed up every day. Uh, everybody uh, that was willing to work, you know, put that, put that work in, put that time in, and, and it really showed on the football field. Just you know, just great leaders. That was one of the best, not only one of the best 49ers teams of all time, one of the best teams, period. Deion Sanders told me that that is the best team he was ever on was that 94 team. I know you guys had a lot of players that you kind of brought in just for that year, right. Deion being one of them. But I think people forget just the incredible talent that you had on that team. Yeah, we had so much talent. And, you know, we brought in Deion. We needed that shutdown corner, all of that. And I, I remember that Super Bowl because I think I got a grade four uh, separation. And I was still able to play in that game. And that came a time in, in that game where my uh, my shoulder pad, it was exposed and I, and I couldn't lift my my arm to you know, put my jersey back on. And, and there was Dion. <laughs> Prime time helped me out. Wow. <laughs> and that you couldn't lift your arm and you're playing in the Super Bowl getting touchdown catches. No well, problem. Because I was just not going to let my my team down. That, that was it. Shoulder injuries, ACL injuries where you come back in the same season. It, it, nothing bothers you. You're fine. 
No, no, you know, you know what? It's just something special about you know winning football games for San Francisco. Uh, the fans, uh, I feel like we have some of the best fans ever, and I had some of the greatest teammates. You know that really helped me be uh, the best football player I could possibly be, and 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 really break a lot of records, and also win Super Bowls. Well, Jerry, I thank you very much for the time. Again, go to GoatFuel.com. It comes in eight different flavors. You can also go to the mobile app, and it's available at select Safeway locations. Thank you very much, Jerry. Let's root for the 49ers going forward, and I hope we can do this again soon. Hey, let's go, Niners. Hey, you're a GOAT. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jerry. Thank you, buddy. All right, Levin. Let's hear your thoughts. I know you've got some critiques, some constructive criticism. What did you think of the interview with Jerry Rice? Well, first of all, I saw the video of it, and uh, I didn't realize you copied your background from Jerry Rice. <laughs> your guys' backgrounds are very similar. Well, <laughs> You're just I, you missing know. the Hall of Fame bust that yeah pointed out. Um, but there's one question that I, I wish would have been asked, and I can't blame you for not thinking about it, but uh, I'm going to blame you. All right. I, wanted, I w- really wish you would have asked, this team is three seasons removed from the 2019 and they still or 2019 was three seasons ago, I guess I should say. Um, and they still talk about, Oh, we need to get back to 2019 levels. We need to get back to 2019. We, blah, blah, blah. You won multiple super bowls. Did any of those teams ever talk about two years later? Hey, we need to get back to that level. <laughs> you know, in 1993, did they sit and talk about, Hey, we need to get back to 92 levels. Or did they say, no, it's a new season and moved on? You know what I mean? Like, he's somebody that can provide uh, perspective on that because he played on multiple Super Bowl teams and then had seasons, you know, where he didn't make the Super Bowl. And I'm curious if those teams looked back and said, hey, we need to get back to that level or if they just ignored that ever happened. Well, that would be an interesting question, especially for him, because for young 49er fans out there, they probably don't remember when the Niners were getting beat by the Cowboys in those NFC title games in back-to-back years. Like that, the thought was Steve Young has talked about it, how basically like they'd go into the season being like, we know we're going to play face the Cowboys Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. Like we just, this whole season is irrelevant. We know we're good. We know that we're going to face them in the playoffs again. And everything that they did, especially going into that 94 season, everything that they did was to beat the Cowboys in the NFC title game. They got Deion Sanders so that he could guard Michael Irvin in the NFC title game. They got, you know, I think they brought in Richard Dent. They brought in Ken Norton from the Cowboys to help beat them. Like, so in their minds, I would be really interested. You're right. It's a good question that I should have asked him. Like, how did you, what mentality was there? And if you did think like, hey, we got to get back there. How did you not let that kind of derail you? Because like you are implying, I think it's kind of derailed the 49ers at times. Yeah, I think they fall into this trap of, Oh, we just need to get back there. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's a completely different team. There's a lot of holdovers, but you can't dwell on the past. Every team is new. You need to treat everything brand new. Like, I don't think uh, many championship teams have that mentality. I don't think the Patriots from much of the 2000s were going, we just need to play like we did last year. You know what I mean? I, I just don't think that that's the mentality consistently winning teams have. They don't look back at when they won last and go, we need we need to play like that. They, you know, they, they have a mentality of moving on, forgetting whatever happened the last play, the last game, the last season. They don't factor it in. And I'm curious his thoughts on that, because, you know, like he played 95, 96, 97, you know, with still having that dominant team that could have easily won Super Bowls, but they didn't. Were they sitting there in 97, 98 going, oh, we just got to play like 1994? You know, right. I don't feel like they did. I don't think that's the mentality championship teams have. And they lost a lot of years. I think it was three years in a row in the playoffs. They lost to the Packers, too. So I wonder yeah, if that's after... why I hate the Packers. Yeah, well, so do I. But that, I those wonder... were the first three years I like was a Niners fan and truly watched. You no, know those I mean? were the ones you remember, huh? Yeah, those Man. are the ones like I truly was watching the team. And yeah, every year we played the damn Packers. So I go back further than that. I remember them losing to the Cowboys every year. So when they played the Packers, like the third year they played the Packers, I was like, this is going to be just like Dallas. We're going to lose to them two years in a row. And then the third year, we're going to beat the Packers. And that's it. We're going to. And then, no, they lost. (laughs) They lost again. So, yeah, I have a deep, deep hatred of the Packers that will never 
fully go away, especially because, of course, they ended up with Aaron Rodgers and blah, blah, blah. All right, Levin, the entire focus of the 49ers this week should be the Atlanta Falcons. The Niners go in. They are heavy favorites. I believe it's like nine, eight or nine and a half point favorites, which I don't to me, that seems too high, but they got to find a way to do it. Do you think they cover the spread, first of all? And do you think they win the game? Yeah, I think they cover the spread. I think this is the this is the game that the Niners come out and dominate. And if they don't, like, even if they end up winning, like, I will be concerned in the postgame that they didn't come out and dominate. Because, like I said, the mat, the way these two teams match up, it's not just the Niners have more talent. The way they match up, the Niners have the advantage where you really want to have advantages. Um, you know, the things that the Niners want to do, the Falcons suck at stopping. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice combination. So, yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I think that the Niners should dominate, and the score I'll go with is uh, 31-13. Wow. Oh, man. Hey, look, that would be nice, right? I can't take too many more of these last-second games. But a nice blowout win would be good, but just because of the inconsistencies with this team that we've seen, honestly, I'm at the point where just win, man. I don't – of course I would like a blowout win. Even, you know, like you said, the Falcons appear to be overmatched in this one, but I don't, I'm just at the point where just get the win, whatever. Like, I just find a way. We know the team is flawed. We know they do stupid stuff sometimes. So I'll take the Niners to win the game, but I think I will take Atlanta and give me the nine and a half points. And God, I hope I'm wrong. Trust me. I would love to see a blowout win that'd make my life easier on multiple levels. But just give me the win and I'll be happy. You know, if I had less of a life, I would go back and listen to every episode and all our predictions because I'm pretty damn sure I've only gotten two right this year. Like every <laughs> time I pick the Niners, they lose. Every time I, I pick the other team, they win. Like I'm constantly on the opposite end of it. Don't say that. Look, no one's going to go back and listen it, to all it the shows. It is what it is. I don't control As... Jack. <laughs> I don't believe in that crap. I don't control anything. As far as I'm no one's going back to listen to the old shows. As far as you're concerned, you're perfect. All your picks have worked out perfectly. That's the attitude you got to go with. Yeah, I just got to be like, I wish the 49ers were. <laughs> it's always the next game. Last That's week right. didn't doesn't matter. Didn't happen. That's right. Exactly. Flush it after 24 hours. All right. We thank everybody for listening. Please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. As you heard early in the show, if you leave a review, we promise to read it on the show. Levin, I will miss you on the Instant Reacts this week again. Uh, a no. lot of – I thought you said you weren't going to be around. I didn't know it was a 4 o'clock game. Oh, well, forget all the nice things I was going to say. Uh -huh. now, a, a lot of people no, chimed in. I'll be in. traveling. I'll be leaving work and probably miss – uh, probably be a little bit of the second half, but I'll see probably 80% of the game. How are and, you going to instantly react to a game that you didn't see the second half? Because my phone may or may not be on the game while I'm going home. <laughs> Is this going to be a driving and watching situation? No, I don't allow myself to watch it. I turn the phone around so I can't watch it, but it will be sound playing through my speakers. Okay. So I know what's going on. Uh, I can't remember who's on there. I think it's Trent Green and... Kevin Harlan on the game this week for the Niners. It's it's weird watching the Niners on CBS also. Could I just say, like, I'm just still not used to that. Can I just say, like, I didn't really know until this year because I don't really pay attention to who's doing the games. CBS has the better play-by-play, -play, guys. Hmm. Nance. Harlan. Harlan, I think, is the best one. I, I like Harlan. And I think Harlan he's better really on the radio. Good but he's still really good. Harlan is really good because he actually gets emotion. Yeah. I, th that, I think too many, too many of the announcers, like I'm not the biggest of Nance fans because he never gets emotion. Yeah. To me, like if you're not excited about it, you shouldn't be doing the game. And I know like Joe Buck is really good and he tries. I think he's heard people complain about his lack of emotion. So at least he tries, but he sounds like a robot trying to simulate emotion instead of an actual person with a central nervous system. So, uh, my favorite guys are always the guys that show emotion. Right. Like Gus Johnson not being part of the NCAA tournament anymore pisses me the <laughs> off because he is built for March Madness. Yeah. I mean, Gus is built for it. He makes everything more fun, in my opinion. But 
regardless of who's doing the game, enjoy the game, everybody. Levin apparently will be with us for the Instant Reaction Podcast. That's on the Niners Nation YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. Please, please, please come and join us. Thousands of you have. We love it. Please keep it coming, and we will be here win, lose, or draw. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.